October is Mental Health Month and we really wanted to put a focus on this because we know that the statistics for male uh, mental health issues and, and suicide is very, very high. Lucy Darhill interviews Triple M's Gus Warland about dads and how they express in this great podcast. Whether you're an office worker or a farmer, working parents offer a reflection about how to talk about and communicate things that happen in their lives. How do we communicate? What do we communicate? As Gus says, our children may well be the ones who teach us that the way we did it is not how it's done now. Gus also talks about why he started his organisation Gotcha for Life and his experience with dads on his TV series Man Up. His no hole barred approach on approaching the sensitivity of men, as you'll hear in this in interview extract, is very raw, live, but exceptionally refreshing. It's a discussion that's absolutely needed and we hope to keep taking it there with you. Enjoy. Your program, Man Up, covers the importance of talking to each other. Yes, of course. And I went out there to talk to these dads who have had some sort of bereavement either before the child's birth, like in a stillborn situation, or in um, terms of like the first five years of the baby's life. And it's like these are big, tough Aussie blokes who have been through the absolute mill, plus their wives have been through the mill and they haven't quite got the emotional tools to be able to explain it or to be able to help them properly and to understand all these different range of emotions and stuff. So it was, um, it was a beautiful afternoon, but it was very emotional. Yeah, I don't really understand just how eloquent we are with communication skills about what we're feeling and how to process what we're feeling in a way that perhaps someone else can understand. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we haven't been given the emotional tools generally as quite. Um, I had some tools given to me and I'm learning new tools all the time. But most of my mates totally understand what they should be doing, but they don't have a clue how to do it. And because they don't have a clue and the world has told them that they should have the answers to everything, um, they don't ask the question. And they'll yeah. just hope that they'll never get asked and they'll hope that they'll just be able to bumble their way through it, rather than saying, hey, hands up, um, don't have a clue, can someone help me please, which is the bravest, manliest thing you can do, but we've been told for years that that's not how you do it, so that's why most of us don't do it. And do you think that that's, that, that then is a reflection in a young person's life that it's not cool to, to ask for help, it's not cool to show any sign of... Um, uh, lack of resilience, perhaps, or capability. Yeah, I, I definitely. I think it's both. I think. I think awareness is definitely out there now. I think every school I go into, every young bloke I talk to, they understand that that mental health is a problem. Anxiety and depression and thoughts of suicide are definitely out there and amongst it. And it's okay to talk about it, but they don't have a clue how to talk about it. Um, so it's a, it's us tooling those youngsters up so they know how to get it out there and, and you're not going to lose your, your man card, you're not going to lose your balls by talking about something that traditionally your parents probably go, oh, mate, come on, you know better than that, just get on with it, you know, just zip up a lip and, you know, big, deep breath, you'll be right, you know, don't be a girl about it, don't be a fool, don't be a this, don't be a that, 
all those sort of horrible terms that are, you know, really a part of toxic masculinity, um, they've got to go. That's why I keep saying to these young boys at schools, you're going to teach your dad, you're going to teach your uncle, you're going to teach your granddad that we don't do that anymore. That's not how we do stuff. This is how we do stuff now. And don't criticise them for not knowing because no one ever told them. It's just the way it was. But please tell them with as much passion as possible that um, it's absolutely fine now, Dad or Granddad or Uncle, that we don't um, that we don't deal with things like that anymore. Yeah, that's a very difficult thing to tell a young bloke, though, to tell their dad and granddad that I know better than you, granddad. That's a very difficult thing to do. Very difficult, also, to, to be prepared for the backlash as they say, "Don't you talk to me like that?" or "Who do you think you are?" Um, you know. I think one of the one of the things adults and parents struggle with is the reflection from the next generation that says, "Dude, you stuffed up. Like what you've what you've given us and what you've prepared for us is is unloving. It's fake. It's um, it's their coping mechanisms that are dysfunctional and not working. If a young person reflects that without even saying anything." It, it is it is an affront to the adult watching and listening. That's exactly right. You know, and we're told all the time traditionally to, you know, respect your elders and make sure that you, you know, that you look up to them and you let them know how much you love them. It's a very difficult conversation to say to someone, hey, Dad, you know how you were brought up? We now know better. We now yeah. know. It's, it's like with smoking, it's an easy one, right? Like my mum smoked all through my practice, through when I was... Um, you know, when I was in her tummy. So she now knows. It's an easy conversation. She goes, oh, how silly. You know, the doctor, I was anxious and stressful, so the doctor told me to take up smoking. Now, we now know there's an absolute 100% fact that smoking is bad for you and you shouldn't do it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a very difficult thing to say to a man who has bumbled his way through his life and has coped. Because some blokes cope with not talking. Some blokes cope with not showing emotion and stuff, right? So it's not an absolute black and white, like some blokes out there, and I know lots of them, um, they're like, Gussie, I'm fine not talking. I'm, I get it. I work it out. I'm perfectly fine, and they've worked their life out. So it's not an absolute hard and fast rule for absolutely everyone, but it is a hard and fast rule for probably 90% of us. So we need to get that conversation, and we need to get that conversation going in youngsters so it becomes the norm that we're having the chat rather than you know, us trying to break up an old stereotype. One of the things that I I find um, interesting about those initial conversations and, and quite could be quite humorous if it was, you know, if the outcome wasn't actually so life threatening. Would is when you start when you recognise that actually you haven't had those conversations, you need to have those conversations. So you know, your son comes home or your daughter home from school and you're like right how was your day and you're not you know you've already told yourself you're not going to be you're not going to settle for good and you're going to have a deeper <laughs> conversation and the young person looks at you and goes what is going on like why all of a sudden are you interested so there has to be there has to be a, 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 a tiptoeing into this conversation as opposed to right I'm ready so you now must be ready well, that's a very good point, but what I tend to do with that situation, because I had exactly that conversation, that's why I was giggling away at when you, yeah. when you started talking about it with my son, is that yeah. I, had to say, I had to say to him, 
mate, I'm going through something here. I just don't know how to be a dad around this subject. I had to be completely vulnerable and completely open to my son to say to him, mate, you're going to have to help me out here. I don't know how to handle this situation. I just do not know the right way to try to help you with this situation. And you helping me will be me helping you, and we're in this together. Uh, so it, break, it breaks down that whole sort of, well, I'm dad, and I know all the answers to everything, and all you have to do is throw a question at me, and I'll come up with the answer that, A, makes sense, B, will be successful, and then C, will make everything okay again. Because it's so easy to do that when your son's five, six, seven, eight years of age, because it's just basic stuff generally, isn't it? You're bubbling yeah. along, and you can tell them a complete lie, or you can tell them a complete... Um, I don't, we don't have a clue, but I'm going to say this confidently and I'll get away with it. Yeah. Um, but they, at the age of 14, 15, 16, they start going, no, no, that's, no, I'm calling BS on that. No, yeah. that's not, that's not true. I'm not going to cop that. So every, it's a bit more complicated, but us dads, we're not, and mums, we're not growing and learning enough to be able to sort of keep up with their growing and learning. So all of a sudden you have these clashes that happen that hadn't happened in the first 10, 12 years of their life, and it starts getting a little bit difficult, then you have to really start parenting, and that's difficult, especially when, going back to the topic of this interview, when both mum and dad are working their absolute bums off, um, normally for the kids, you know, to keep them in school. or it's an, absolute, it's an absolute load of BS that most kids are at a privileged school because dad earns all the money or grandma and granddad are paying for the salaries most of the time, even back in my day at Knock. I know my mum worked a little side job just to help my dad out. Um, yeah. heaps, of, heaps of kids had their, um, had both parents at, um, at, at, at work as well as, as, as uh, their dad. So um, there's a whole lot of people out there doing a whole lot of really, really lovely stuff and they're doing it for their kids. Then they come home, then they have this very difficult situation where the kids are starting not to talk to them and they're starting to worry about them and stuff. So then you have these old traditional ways of, of bringing the kid up, which means you're starting to have more arguments and you won't cop them not answering and talking. Boys are grunting and not talking properly. Then it's a complete frustration in the house and all of a sudden it's bloody World War Three, and it's only because you love them and you want to help them. It's, it's very unfair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love I love the way you've done that stepped approach because, you know, when someone is working really hard to to make the money, to get the kids in school and you get that grant, there is so much frustration that comes into the normal everyday language that is the subject oh. of which is, do you not realize what we're having to do to give you the lifestyle that we're giving you? And the, the, the loathing of the, the words and the responsibility and the kid will be going, hey, I don't want any of it. I'd rather have your love. I'd rather have your attention and, and your, you know, and it, it's just it, it, the subtext that goes behind the words. I think adolescents and teenagers are much, much less, um, they're going to put up with the BS a lot less and they will, they still feel everything and they are going to call it rather than the five, six, seven year old that will just everything you say and doubt kind of what they're feeling. Exactly right. That's exactly right in a nutshell. And also you've got the situation where the mums, you know, don't necessarily maybe want to go back to work 
you know, they're yeah. really happy being mums and so forth. Yeah. But that frustration then that it puts a lot of pressure on the mums and dads too because the dad's saying, hey, look, I wouldn't mind a bit of a hand here. And so they go back reluctantly, but then they get all the shit at home because they've still got to be the mum as well as being the part-time employee or whatever it might be. So I do a lot, so I do a lot of chat to mums and, and mums are like... Um, Mums are like, why is my son all of a sudden doesn't want to cuddle anymore? Why is my son, um, you know, not sort of appreciating what I'm doing for him? Why are we not friends anymore? You know, why is he grunting and not talking properly? And, you know, it's, it's an age there where boys get really frustrated with their mums, you know, because mm -hmm. they're just like, what are you talking about? You're treating me like a kid, mm -hmm. you know, and, it's, and there's just disconnection going on absolutely everywhere. And as we know, you know, if you disconnect, then you're more likely to have dramas and trouble. So yeah. it's a very, very difficult one, Lucy, to, to try to explain to mums that you've done nothing wrong. You just need to change. You need to educate yourself because your kids are changing literally in front of your eyes and um, you need to be, give them a bit more space or you need to understand what they're going through because the old traditional, don't you know, you be this and that, that stuff doesn't cop it anymore with these kids. No. I also think, Gus, there's, there's a, um, trying to keep our children young and not really equipping them with the life skills that they're going to need. So, as I say, mums, it's that ability to go, hey, you're not a child anymore. I need to see you as a young man. And actually what mum and dad are reflecting in their relationship is, is are, the, are the potential dating respect and certainly relationship respect that we obviously want them to have in their relationships with their new partners or prospective partners. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have the emotional tools. The parents don't have the emotional tools. So everyone is bumbling around in this sort of feeling of love and so forth. But no one's really well equipped. And, of course, we only know what we know from our parents or the village that brought us up. And our old village was old-fashioned and it's not... It's not approved most of the time by this young um, lot of kids coming through. So that's that's very difficult. And then if you're not spending time with them when they get home from school, they're straight onto computers and social media and all that sort of stuff. Like bullying used to finish at 3 o'clock. Now it's 24-7, mm -hmm. you know, on all the stuff that's going on. So the parents that are, that are both working and both coming home at 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night or they're away from work for a period of time and stuff, that's a huge thing, it's a huge disconnect that those kids have because they really don't have anyone looking after them um, you know, for hours, for most of the hours of the day you're only seeing each other like passing ships in the night, it's, it makes it super hard, it, life used to be a lot a lot easier I think, I think it's much harder now than it ever was Yeah I would agree and that um, again that resentment that builds up in the teenager that you know, mum and dad have gone back to, to work now, and as you say, it might be willingly or not willingly, but they are at home very often in their high school years on their own when actually having someone at home to just check how their day went is, is actually a really important time. And we think they don't need us so much anymore because the physical need has ended, but the uh, emotional and the stability that's needed at home because otherwise we're abdicating that responsibility to the childminder of the Xbox or YouTube, which is proving to have enormous mental health consequences. And as you say, the online bullying. 
Absolutely. The online, online bullying, and there's so much great things about social media, but there's so much down as well. I've had it with my children. You know, it's just the context sometimes, the way that someone says something. If they say it to you with a bit of a wink and a nudge when you're face-to-face, and then you write it down, it can, look to, it can be looked upon so badly, you know, and then these girls in particular find themselves in these horrible conversations where it really is a ganging up situation. And we've had the mm. situation where we've had to phone up parents and say, look, your kid has said this, you know, can, I, can you put your daughter on the phone? Like, kids don't talk to each other anymore. No. They're just they're sending images, they're sending life, they're sending what they think a good life is, and it's just so not normal. You know, we, yeah. we've had to come up with real, real, uh, with real um, rules in our family to be able to um, really get to the bottom of it with our kids to make sure that we protect them from it. If anyone has a problem, you phone them up. No yeah. more bloody, no more Snapchat or whatever it might be when you've got five or six things flicking and banging and binging and these little alarms going off all the time. It's exhausting, you know. Just put them in the basket, charge them up, We'll give you one hour after dinner. After that, you're done. Oh, I like it. And that's teenagers, isn't it, Gus? You've got teenagers, so you're 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 giving them these life skills that are um, that are going to hold them all the way through their adult life as well. Yes, and that's what I'm trying. But you know, it's difficult. You've got to keep on to it. It's a full time job, and you know that parenting is, is tough. Yeah. Parenting is yeah. difficult, you know, and it's getting more and more so, and especially if you've got a kid that, I mean, some kids are just awesome kids, you know. Some other kids have got some real challenges. Some yeah. other kids are going to be awesome in the other part of their life, but they're pretty shitty now because they're not good at school or they're trying to work out who they are and they don't quite fit in and stuff. So, you know, it's awkward. It's awkwardness everywhere. So that's why I keep talking about being kind to people. You don't mm. know what other people are going through. So just... Give them the benefit of the doubt. Let Just go with kindness off the bat rather than anything else. And that goes from walking on the street and saying hello to someone or going and buying your local paper or, buy, or, or the person at the cash register. Don't be on the phone. As you're going through the cash register, put your phone down. Say thank you very much. Have a conversation. Like just show kindness. And I yeah. think we'll be in a better, better place. And you feel a little less lonely too if you're having those conversations all the time, I think. It's... It's old school, but I think it's I think it's a winner. I totally agree. I'm with you. I'm in the kind camp. That to me, it's it's that the basics of decency and respect is is to you know be kind and be aware. Choose to be aware. Exactly. Now, Gus, you have um, you've started up or you've been involved in something called Gotcha for Life, haven't you? I'd love you to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Gotcha for Life came off the back of the Man Up program. I tried to actually buy Man Up, but it was owned by Movember and the University of Melbourne, and they were going to continue work with it. So no problem at all. Um, I started something called Gotcha for Life, which was it's, it's, it's a term which is really just letting you know that you've got to find someone who has got you for life, someone you can have a warts and all conversation with no matter what, someone who's not going to judge you, someone who's going to love you and understand and not necessarily have the answers to your problems, but certainly be able to help you get on a right path. And um, I just think there's too many lonely blokes out there. It's a men's mental health um, program, which we run through schools called Tomorrow Man, which was the same Tom Harkin that was in Man Up. So I'm basically financing him now to make sure that we make more Toms and we get more blokes into schools. 
And then we have a scholarship program for uh, Lifeline. So any male that wants to be a phone counsellor um, goes on the Gotcha for Life scholarship, which means that we pay the difference between what the government pays and what would come out of each candidate's pocket. And then we've got other programs that we fund and look after, one called Weave, which is an Indigenous program for kids in inner cities. We know that the Indigenous community have a much double the the suicide rate of, of, of white Australians, so we wanted to try to help in that way as well. So we're 18 months old. We've uh, fundraised over a million dollars. My job is to get out there and spruik it, to talk about it as much as I can. Um, I do a lot of school visits myself. I've just started taking Steve Smith, the ex-Australian cricketer, around doing vulnerable open conversations with him at schools. And, um, you know, it's what I do after 9 o'clock now. Um, Six to nine is the grill team, which is a lot of fun, and then got to for life, you know, a few hours a day every day um, to try to help build that up so we can get a program into schools to let kids know it's okay not to be okay and that it's all right to have some problems and dramas. And welcome to the club, you know, we've all got them. We're, we're working on Man Up 2 at the moment, um, more to follow, and in the meantime, got to for life will take up a big part of, of my life and I, I love doing it. I never seem to get bored of it. I never seem to get tired doing it. I just think it's, it's going to be my legacy. So that's what I want to keep on doing.